This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Welcome to the show. A very rude welcome awaiting the, well, Colorado Buffaloes and then the Denver Broncos. But as the Denver Broncos, we will discuss first and foremost, Sandy, because what we're seeing and what we saw was essentially unprecedented. The 70 points, only two short of the NFL record from a long time ago, 72-0 score, of course. Well, I watched that game. Seven hundred. I watched that game as a nine-year-old. 726 yards given up. Yes. Yeah, you, that was yesterday. You will make but the I argument. I watched the 72-point yeah. game, and this was far worse than that. And can, can we stop with the idea that the Dolphins ran up the score? The Broncos should be Who's thankful that? that they didn't. Who's saying that? Uh, did well, you have a lot, of, a lot of fans. Now, he, Dan yeah. Lemming ran up the score. Right. I call him yeah, Dan Le- Lemming, not Lemming. <laughs> we'll He's have time lemming, for him. And we'll we'll get to him later. Uh, Dan uh, Lemming uh, ran up the score. The Broncos should be Saturday. delighted. Mike McDaniel did just the opposite. They pulled their yesterday. starters by the beginning of the first, first quarter. Fourth. Fourth, uh, fourth quarter, sorry. Yeah, by the beginning of the fourth quarter. Ever the, the backups. And... They could, if they had wanted to score 80, if they had wanted to set a new NFL record, they could have done it at will, literally at will. Well, they could have kicked the field goal yesterday. Sure. And McDaniel was asked about that. And, you know, if it were me, um, I might have done it as a reward to the players, both starters and reserves. And there were many reserves who played major roles in that game. Uh, The Texas A&M running back I saw last year live against Alabama in Tuscaloosa. And he was much more impressive yesterday. Oh, <laughs> it was man. the day I, I saw him, uh, which means that the Alabama defense is better than the Denver Broncos defense at the present time. Um, well, Will Anderson played on that Alabama defense, and he was pretty close to being the defensive player of the week in the NFL this past weekend. So uh, it, it, this was there, – there are no two ways about it. This was the worst defensive performance in the history of the National Football League. In the 104-year history of the National Football League, this was the worst defensive performance. You say, well, but Washington scored 72 on the Giants in 1966. I watched that game. I remember it well. It's also pre-merger. First, they ran up the score because Sam Huff had been traded by Ali Sherman from the Giants to Washington. And Sam Huff hated Ali Sherman for the rest of his life. And he goes to Washington. And as they're developing their big lead in the first half, I think it was 34-14 at the half, something like that. He goes up to Jurgensen and or the offensive team in the locker room, and he says, you'd better not let up or you'll hear about it from me. In other words, I'll beat the crap out of all of you <laughs> if you don't keep scoring, if you let up for a second. And the defense of which Sam Huff was a part contributed two defensive scores by Brig Owens, uh, who uh, was a terrific underrated defensive back on a, a very bad Washington team, but later played against the over the, uh, played for the over the hill gang that George Allen coached uh, that went to a Super Bowl after the 72 season. They also scored a touchdown on special teams. And Charlie Taylor was unbelievable. The Giants couldn't cover him. 
But otherwise, you look at the stats, it was a pretty ordinary game. And again, the offense scored about five-sevenths of the points that were scored that day. Yesterday, the Miami Dolphins scored 10 touchdowns, kicked 10 extra points, no two-point conversions, none of the stuff that uh, the punk coach at Oregon did on Saturday. None of that nonsense. And they could have easily kicked a field goal, easily kicked a field goal, and the Broncos would have had no complaint. Uh, Even Sean Payton after the game said, really didn't make much difference to me whether they went for the record. I mean, right. he, he isn't Vic Fangio. He would not have been offended had they gone for the record. Uh, they came pretty close to setting the yards record, which they also could have done if oh, they wanted to. Effortlessly. Yeah. Yes. They only needed 10 Their yards. Their starters played for three three quarters of yeah. the game. I mean, right. this. And he took the starters out exactly when he should have taken the starters out. And somebody's got to play. Right. And they, they did have injuries, including to Waddle at wide receiver. Right. And, you, and, and Craycraft got ima- hurt during the game. Can you imagine? Boy, the Broncos could, could use a receiver like River Craycraft. Well, they had one. They? they had him. Oh, that's right. They had Yeah, they had Craycraft. Yeah. You know, the uh, the idea, of course, when you give up that many points, and it was sort of a thought process that maybe the, even only it's only three games in that the Broncos might move on from Vance Joseph as their defensive I, coordinator. I honestly thought they probably would do that today and they didn't so i i guess uh even sean payton would have enough sense not to scapegoat vance joseph for well, all the problems the Broncos and before have. that goes off because i know how this is going to go today and this is your show too 303-831-1340 a text or call and the i'm going to and I haven't, I haven't been, you know, this is a little hard to lean into because it was a terrible performance. But I'm going to defend Vance Joseph here. I'm going to defend him. I realize it's a hard spot, but. Well, you'll have company an hour from now. You watched that game. We all watched that game. The Broncos, Sandy, on defense, per pro football focus, had 24 missed tackles. There were times in which players for the Dolphins, the, their most dirt or A-chain, were running in the middle of the field. And Actually, Broncos, I, I'm going to correct it because I had it wrong, too. And so did Kevin Harlan. Oh, Harlan had it wrong. Kevin Harlan is Because I thought I had it right before, and I just trusted Harlan. Harlan corrected himself. Because he's usually money. Harlan corrected himself during the game. He oh, okay. didn't tell anybody he was correcting himself, but he corrected himself. Uh, and it's uh, A-chain. Okay, that's how I had it before. See, see, look what I get for doubting myself. Peter King of NBC Sports talked to him after the game, and the first question he asked him was, "How do you pronounce your name?" Got it. Because I've heard I've met Kevin Harlan a bunch of times, and in my mind, he's the best there is. Well, he's the best. I assume I'm wrong. And even Kevin (laughs) Harlan had problems with Albert Okwebenam, which I never had a problem with that one. You kind of rolled off your tongue. Yeah, but uh, Kevin Harlan did professional that he is correct himself in mid game uh, yesterday and it was uh HM. But, has a great and, story uh back but back in the day for uh, harlem we were at the super bowl one year just talking about going uh, when he was in college calling a basketball game at, at, i can't remember where he went but they didn't really have a box and he you know the, the rafters yeah. the, the, with the you're basically oh, like I, sta- I standing on a grate broadcast he broadcasted a game like laying on his stomach on the grate and I holding the that. mic under the grate so looking from that, <laughs> that I have not done, but, but I have broadcast uh, from uh, from spots that not, yeah, not the best spots, yeah, but 20, spot. 24 missed tackles. And uh, if you want to look at the pro football yeah. focus grading and it goes from zero to a hundred. And, and by the way, it's also color coded, right? For those who are just looking at it. 
The Broncos had one player in the light green. Green is good. Red is bad. One. One. Jonathan light Harris, green. who came up at 73. Which is not exceptional. When you're talking about your starters, the best of the bunch was Kareem Jackson at 51, which is uh, in the All I, all the I know orange, is Kareem is Jackson was seen like Tony Lilly was against Washington in the Super Bowl back in the day, uh, chasing ball carriers into the end zone all day. And this is my defense and of Vance failing Joseph. to tackle this them because be the he defense. can't run anymore. We watched Broncos players. All I could think of was nature films where salmon are swimming upstream and just leaping randomly out of the water and landing back in the stream. We watched that with Broncos players as Miami players are running down the field. You're right in the dead center of the field, middle of the field. Broncos players are just leaping at air, uh, evidently to look like they were making an effort. Nowhere, nowhere landing anywhere close. At one point, I watched a play where, where uh, 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 say the now side of a backwards because of a, a, a Chan. Right, a Chan. A Chan. Thank you. A Chan. A Chan. Okay, I'll get that the right. A, the the long A. Yes, A Chan. At right. one point, he went to the left, cut through the right. Four Denver Broncos leapt at air and landed on each other in yeah. a Three Stooges like pile. Right. As he's by the way, five yards downfield by the time it happens. Right. Tyreek Hill ran completely unguarded on multiple occasions on his nine catches. I mean, unguarded. There were oftentimes not Broncos in the shot. You can pick on Vance Joseph as much as you want. Vance Joseph at no point, as the tenure as Broncos defensive coordinator, and certainly not pre-game this week, said, guys, if there are play- guys, if there's players running down the middle of the field, just kind of throw your bodies near them. Don't worry about actually tackling them. Don't worry about actually grabbing them. If you know Tyreek Hill's running around, you don't have to really be on him. Just let him go. The- this is the the equivalent here, Sandy, is People, I don't know what I don't know what you do where you're listening, right? what your job is. And and I'm gonna assume, unlike NFL players, you don't make millions of dollars. If you do, again, 803-831-1340, and let me know if you need an assistant. But if you don't, I'm gonna assume that your boss does not meet you when you walk into work and say, Now remember to sit at your desk today. Remember, remember to drive your car home. Remember that if you're going to write a note, use a pen or a pencil. These are these are givens. These are things that at this level, these are givens for your job that don't need to be coached. Be near a player close enough to attempt a real tackle. If you actually could tackle a person, instead of leaping into them shoulder first, trying to make a highlight play, grab them with your hands. I I agree with that. Vance Joseph is not telling them don't bother with that. I I agree with that, but you you could say that about any coach too after any bad performance. I, I I will say this first and foremost in the defense of Vance Johnson. Joseph, yeah. Uh, Joseph. Uh poor Vance Johnson had nothing to do with this game. Uh Vance Joseph did not hire himself. Nope. Uh, he was hired very by Sean Payton. Uh it's been made very clear that Sean Payton preferred Vic Fangio, which was uh, somewhat evident. Uh, somewhat evident yesterday that it you know, Fangio's terrific defensive coach. Uh, Vic Fangio was perhaps not even as good a head coach as Vance Joseph, and that's that's going a distance. Uh, but in any case, he had one more year than Vance that Joseph had here. And Vance Joseph was hired by Sean Payton. Sean Payton has all the power. Mm-hmm. I think the situation might be different if the GM – had 
hired the head coach. The GM did not hire the head coach. Owners the hired the, the owners coach. hired the head coach and gave him all the power. And I'm I'm listening to some talk radio yesterday after the game. I couldn't help myself. And I I had to laugh at the callers uh, and, and, and the host, too, who was so clueless as to not correct the callers when they seemed to be thinking George Payton was responsible for every player on this team since he's been here when everybody knows who knows anything that Sean Payton has all the power in this organization, that Sean Payton ran the draft, that Sean Payton ran free agency, any trades that get made, Sean Payton is responsible for those trades. As Sean Payton himself has said, George Payton's job is to answer the phone and tell the caller, uh, whomever he may be or she may be, either yes or no, based on what Sean Payton tells George Payton to say to those callers. He is a glorified secretary. That is the one thing that probably is allowing George Payton for now to stay on the job. And in the ultimate irony, the worse the Broncos do, the more legitimate blame falls on the shoulders of not George Payton, but Sean Payton. Because Sean Payton picked the team. Sean Payton picked a good many of the players. And all his assistant coaches. Listen, all the assistants that... the GM has about as much power as any of you listening and the two of us hosting and Danny Bailey on the other side of the glass. That, that, that's his level of authority over there at Dove Valley. And anybody who thinks differently is a fool or has not been paying any attention whatsoever. And I understand that you're watching the game yesterday and you're say, saying this team is wholly unprepared for just about anything. I mean, who allows to two different running backs four touchdowns or more by well, both in the same nobody. game? Nobody. It's at, never happened. It's never happened. And who allows 350 yards rushing and 376 yards passing in the same game? Also something that's never happened before. So there has to be some blame placed on the defensive coordinator. But I think maybe... Even Sean Payton thought he had laid it on last week a little bit thick when it came to scapegoating Russell Wilson for the loss to Washington, and he wasn't going to do that again. Um, of course, yesterday his postgame presser lasted less than four minutes, uh-huh. and he absolutely refused to answer we'll at have, least two of the questions. We'll have some of those in a little bit, yeah. And absolutely refused to answer. It, it could it, be worse. Two, two of them. So, when you're talking about the idea of uh, people that kind of understand that the things work anymore. And and quite frankly, how easy it is how the Broncos have become so comparatively irrelevant in a lot of ways that people don't pay attention the way they used to. Trending right now on X ugh, is John Elway with people angry as to why he's not making some decisions when it's coming to the coaching staff. I'm like, uh... Well, it, it's like, you know... <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Much of the electorate believing that the party who is in the minority in the House of Representatives is actually in the majority, and Nancy Pelosi is still Speaker of the House. You you have the same thing among Bronco fans who somehow believe that John Elway is still a part of, not only a part of the organization, which he's not, 
but is in charge, which he wasn't his last official year as part of the organization. George Payton that year wasn't charge. What if he's part of the Deep Broncos? Maybe that's, that's it. But the, uh, the, the, the this is such a, an, an odd situation, especially when you talk about Russell Wilson. We'll have to talk about him as well. Talk about people that uh, don't deserve the blame for this one. Well, uh, uh, no, but he's not exactly part of the solution. And it's the same thing with Vance Joseph. Well, he's Listen, not part of the long-term solution because if, if Broncos fans, of you did not figure out how long, how far this team is actually away from contention yet, now you know. Now you know. Now but, but you know. Really, we've known that, haven't we? Yeah, we've known that for years. We've talked about this. For, the last you and I have talked months. about this for we've years. We've talked about this for years, and you don't repair an organization that has been this arrogant and this clueless for this long without direction. Uh, the new owners provide no real direction. They have a lot of money. They don't know anything, with the exception of Condoleezza Rice. They don't know a football from a beach ball. They don't know anything. It's not their fault. There are a lot of rich people who own sports teams and know nothing about sports. Nothing about the sports that they own. They they run, there's an owner in Carolina who thinks he knows more than coaches he hires. Uh, by the way, there's an interesting factoid about the first-year head coaches vastly outperforming the coaches <clears throat> Frank Reich, Sean Payton, who have coached before, who have been head coaches ideas. before. You never know. Obviously, it ends up being and a, uh... the most well-coached team in the National Football League right now uh, this side of Miami and this side of San Francisco, all right, between Miami and San Francisco, I think clearly the best coach team in the NFL through the first three weeks of the year is the Arizona Cardinals, who have led well into the second half in all three games. And because they're they bad. aren't very good, they lost two of those games. But they're bad. That, but that's bad. they didn't lose yesterday. And yesterday <laughs> they, they played yeah. Dallas – and made Dallas look silly on defense and made Dak Prescott look like Russell Wilson, a guy who can only take you so far, and it's time for the Dallas Cowboys to start looking ahead to the future. If they're going to get further than they have in years past, it can't be with Dak Prescott, a quarterback. He can't perform under pressure. He can't perform in the fourth quarter, even against a team like Arizona. They had a chance to win the game yesterday, and he throws a pick in the red zone. So, um, you know, there there isn't anything that is particularly right about the Denver Broncos at the present time, except this. And I, I had fun with some people who were texting me yesterday saying, oh, boy, the poor luckless Broncos, uh, they never get a break. They play the hottest team in the league with maybe the best offensive mind in the league as the head coach. And I said, the Broncos get breaks all the time. The biggest break they get this week is they're playing the Chicago Bears, who are one of the maybe two or three other teams in the NFL worse than they are, if that can be believed. The Chicago Bears have lost 13 football games in a row. Yeah. Yep. It's uh, it's bad. And uh, the numbers continue to be bad. We'll go over some of that. We'll also hear from Sean Payton and go to the phones next.
on Miley Sports. Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. It's your show, too. Number is 303-831-1340. We can go to the uh, phones and talk to Dave, who's been waiting. Dave, you're on with Sean and Sandy. How's it going? Hey, let me give you a little, uh, sorry, hi, guys. A little perspective here. I remember seeing Marlon Briscoe over the old uh, Mile High. I think it was Bear Stadium still. I remember when Al Pastrana got knocked unconscious and couldn't call timeout, and the Broncos lost the game in 71. Okay, so I've seen a few games over there over the last 57 years. That was the worst game I ever seen him play. Wasn't even close. Uh, I, I agree. And, and we have to begin to get our arms. I've been saying this for the last two or three years around the fact that these are the AFL Broncos. They, they are. They're, they're, you know what? The they're AFL not. Broncos never played a game like the Broncos played yesterday no. in Miami. Never. You know, the Lou Saban years, you had Joe Collier here. That wouldn't have been an embarrassment even for them. They never got beat like that. They, one time Kansas City came in with Hank Stram and put 59 on them. Yeah. And, and the people did not like that. You know? I know they threw snowballs, and that was the it. that was yeah, the old record. They throw whiskey bottles and snowballs that day, but you know it was our Broncos then. They didn't have anybody. You know it wasn't fair. The NFL had yeah, all. You know the thing that, was- that, that that would bother me if 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 I were a fan, and I understand it, you know not everything was better, and players were more were not necessarily more team oriented back in the day, but. You had players who, even in the AFL, which paid very well, at least its top players, paid very well. But a bad team like the Broncos, they weren't making any money. And and now they're mercenaries. And honestly, you care, and it bothers you a lot more than they care, and it bothers them. I, 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 I saw Alex Singleton after the game laughing about how badly the team played laughing about it and That's if if that were me running their team if i had any authority at all he'd be on the waiver wire today hey sandy let me ask let me ask you this i, I don't remember what year you got here but i remember watching tombstone jackson and lyle alzado did you imagine those guys taking part and those guys doing a dance line in front of them and they scored a touchdown I diff- couldn't imagine that different would world, ever though. have happened. Yeah, different world. It is a different world. I, th- that's the equivalent of, I, I, I think, of Charles Barkley's you know, line years ago that you know, if you don't want to end up on a poster, don't let the guy dunk on you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, we, we have think- seen, and, uh, you know, I've, I've thought about this overnight, you know, humiliating losses in the history of the Broncos. And I, I go back to Christmas Day last year. That would be number two. But yesterday would be number one. Uh, number three would be... Yep. The game that really got Josh McDaniels fired, fifty-nine to fourteen, against the then Oakland Raiders. That in seems 2010. almost quaint. 
Yeah, 55-23 on Monday Night Football on Halloween Colts. night, 1988, uh, with the Colts, and Eric Dickerson may still be running. Uh, <laughs> he at, might be. Against the Broncos. And in 2007, when the Broncos were beaten by the Chargers, 41-3. to uh, Those are the five games that uh, stick out, certainly in my time here in Denver. Now, I wasn't here for the AFL days, and I wasn't here for the first nine years of the National Football League uh, in Denver, but uh, in 73, 74, really 73 through 78, the six years that preceded my arrival, the Broncos weren't a great team, but they went to a Super Bowl. Um, They made the playoffs twice, and they were actually three times in that period, and they they didn't suffer defeats, anything like this. There were painful losses, but not like the one yesterday, not not even comparable. And I think uh, you have to go back to the late 1980s to find uh, an example of a truly humiliating defeat, and that team won far more games in 1988 than this team will win in 2023. I think you're talking about the 42 nothing in New Orleans that day. That was bad. Yeah, that that was bad. But again, I, I mean, they got killed in Kansas City at the end of the '86 season. I want to say, but it really didn't Cold mean anything. There. Yeah, no. uh, and and Dan yeah, Reeves wouldn't game. shake John Makovic's hand after the game because right. you know they were both guys with Dallas backgrounds. They knew each other. I think they were pretty friendly, but Reeves wouldn't shake his hand because he thought he'd run up the score. The one thing you can't say yesterday, and that makes it even more pitiful, Mike McDaniel did not in any way, shape, or form run up the score. And I, and I was thinking about this, and I thought Mike McDaniel had more respect growing up a Bronco fan than the actual team, that the people that actually run the team. That's how I saw it. Well, I guarantee you he knows more about Bronco history than anybody in this organization, save for maybe Condoleezza Rice. I guarantee We you. did name drop Barney Chavis on her initial intro, so yeah. <laughs> Barney Barney was a steel door out there. Yeah. 13 years. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, uh, I don't, I don't have anybody were... like that now. And he was the least acclaimed of the, their front three. Reuben Carter was on... Sports Illustrated covers, and Lyle Alzado was a famous football player, and Barney Chavis was kind of lost in the shuffle, but was a hell of a defensive end, particularly against the run, was a decent pass rusher, and was as much of a gentleman as you'll ever find in the game, but he was out there every week. He was out there every week. And, again, even in the 80s and, and on into the 90s, certainly, I mean, you could bring players in from the outside. The Super Bowl teams were, were littered with with people they brought in from the outside. But that was an era where you, you, you were shamed by losing to an extent. And, and now there, there is no shame. There, there's only kind of laughter, oh, we suck today. That was Alex Singleton I, with a laugh. Oh, we just sucked. Good, good. He'd be on my waiver wire. Well, David, I, you know, he isn't worth he isn't worth a nickel as a player anyway. He's part I, of the problem. Know, I've been looking all day to see if anybody's been released. Brandon Johnson should have been released today. Cost him 
cost him at least 14 points. Can't line up. Uh, yeah. Pick somebody. Well, uh, you, know, you know what, though? For the coach who said last year's team led the league, which was true in pre-snap penalties or was near the top of the league in pre-snap penalties, no, it, I mean, it was uh, – this year's team is just as bad, takes as many timeouts because they can't get plays in. Mm-hmm. Now, Sean Payton got away with blaming Russell Wilson for all of that after the Washington game, but they're doing the same thing yesterday. But even that and was – you can't blame Russell Wilson for all of it. No, and thanks for the, the call, Dave. Appreciate it. You bring up uh, Alex Singleton. I don't need to pick on him, but, but looking at pro football focus, those grades kind of came in out of all of the 17 Broncos on defense last year. He came in at the lowest rated. 25.4 uh, with four missed tackles on the day, dead last uh, in all of the Broncos rankings. And directly ahead of him, one of the higher paid guys, Randy Gregory. So this is where uh, the, the challenge is for the Broncos. But we've been telling you this. <laughs> this defense is, it's, it's, when we say, it, we, we didn't even say it's not that good. We said it's not, not good. good. Full stop. Yeah. There was no, there was no, you know, qualifying it. It's not good, and it's not a secret that they can't get after the quarterback. This team yesterday, by the way, two total quarterback pressures, no sack, one hit, one hurry. That offense was on the field enough to score 70 points. Two quarterback pressures, 24 missed tackles. That's how you cough up 70 points. Two fumbles by your... Highest paid wide receiver doesn't right. her help it, right? That's part of the equation too. Right. But again, be a little hard to pile that on Russell Wilson. And you're right, Pey- Peyton seemed to have backed off a little bit, realizing that even you pointed out, even the heavily dumping on Wilson that his fumble changed the game when they were still up three scores. Right, seemed a little bit of a stretch. And if your oh, team's not quite sure. mentally tough enough to be able to overcome a mistake when you're three scores up. Mm-hmm. The, the That's big, a problem. The, the, the big thing that, but you know, even bothered any fair-minded person, I would say, more than that one was blaming him for the lack of communication and the confusion and, and plays. And that, then doing uh, the, the wristband suggestion right. is kind of a cheap shot. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, you know, you even heard at the beginning of the game, and you hear when, you know, the, let know how this works. We'll pull the curtain back real quick. But when you hear broadcast pairing right you hear them early in a game talk about something oh well you know the broncos were discussing how they were going to reduce the verbiage coming into this game which is one of the first things the broadcast pairing talked about right that's because the coach and the team in their interview with the media members made it very clear we'd really like you to mention that we're going to keep drilling this into your brain that we did this because we'd like to have you mention it well you know what they also mentioned apparently to the broadcasters because they couldn't stop talking about it um, in the intro and for about the first, how long did it take Miami to score? Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, first three or four minutes of the game, nonstop, how confident the Broncos were. Most confident 0-3 team we've ever seen. Yeah. Well, now they're the most confident uh, or 0-2 team. Yeah. Now they're the most confident 0 Yeah, team they didn't sound so confident to no, me. No, after the game, they didn't sound so confident. Uh, you know what else I came across? And this is spoon-fed. And by the way, sure. uh, one minute and 23 seconds is what it took okay. to score. So I believe Miami scored faster than Oregon did against CU. 
on Saturday. Yeah, and more. And well, Oregon I, was I trying to, and Oregon was trying to run and up Oregon the score. Oregon was trying to run up the score. They didn't win by fifty, and 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 kept their starters 50, in. Yeah. I think a little longer than Miami yeah. kept its starters 50 in. 50-point gap much in an longer. NFL game. Goodness gracious. It's un- un- unbelievable. And Nathaniel Hackett's first nine losses last year. Nine losses. First nine losses, the combined point differential was 50. How many did he lose? Ten, right? Because uh, they, they Well, he didn't coach the last Because he didn't two. coach the last ones. And they went one and one. So they were four and 11. So he lost ten games or, no, as a coach. he lost 11. Oh, pardon me. Yes. Okay. He, so he lost 11 games. Yeah. Nine of the 11 were by fewer than 50 points in total. Well, no, no. I think they were right at 50. Okay. But I, same, I think it was the same, same as this but, game. But that's the point. It, the 50 Maybe point Nathaniel margin, Hackett was not the, the worst coach in NFL history. The 50 point margin matched the combined scoring differential of this first for Denver's nine first nine defeats under Hackett. And this gets back to the Sean Payton quote that last year's coaching job was one of the worst. In NFL I think he even history, said he worst. But he, here's, uh, well, yeah, I, I, there, there might have been a slight qualifier in there, but among the worst, the worst, whatever, one of the worst. He definitely ran it down. <laughs> well, whatever. That his point was unmistakable. Here's what they leaked out, though. They're the only team, or we're the only team, in the NFL to have run out of, and you know these are tight end and running back designations. Mm-hmm. 10, 11, 12, 13, 20, 21, 22, 23. That Neat. was going into the game. That's cool. That was there. Whatever. I mean, it's almost like the matter? Broncos keep doing this. They've done crap like this for, Why does for that the matter last at seven all? or eight years. They think they get extra credit, maybe. And they do. So you from, line, you line from up national these in different formats? And, and national commentators Neat. do fall, fall for that crap, which is why they keep dispensing it. And too many of the local folks fall for it, too. Uh, it's just nonsense. And it, it it's the formations now. And all these great formations, the play calls take so much time that they can't get plays off. Yeah. So they have to call timeout. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. And, if, oh, by the way, they're the most penalized team in the NFL. Yeah, I don't know if being having a heavy variance in the way you're not effective is all that great, but whatever. I mean, right now, when you look at next week's game, uh, the Broncos give up, and I'm, this is not, I'm not joking, 40.7 points a game. The Bears give up 35.3 points a game. Uh, those are the worst two in the NFL. You add that up, that it would be an even 76 points. Apropos of nothing, why well, bet with the big boys this football season? Instead, try your hand with the local book, Superbook Sports, this fall. Superbook Sports the book next door. Just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Vegas, making sure you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now, Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager on the same day using the promo code MILEHIGH. So bet with the best and use promo code MILEHIGH this football season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 40.7. The idea that the Denver Broncos defense was secretly good last year and nobody really paid attention. Remember, we've gone over this. With the exception of swapping out Draymond Jones for Zach Allen, for the most part, this is the exact same defense. Virtually all the starters are the same. So unless Justin Simmons, who missed the game, I I don't know, is like Steve Atwater and Dick Night Train Lane and Dick 
Butkus and Merlin Olson and Mike Singletary and Lawrence Taylor all rolled up into one. That probably wasn't enough to make the gap. So where do you go from there? Sean Payton talked after the game, obviously not happy for some of it, but had an interesting response on what the process will be for the Broncos. Russell Wilson did too. We'll get a chance to hear from them next on Miley Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Sandy, you spoke before earlier in the program about Sean Payton's <laughs> brief post-game interview, which is you expect, quite frankly. I mean, that's it, it's embarrassing, and I really didn't have a problem with it, but you could tell that it bothered him. And we'll play a couple clips from the post-game, but he was asked, and this was not the first question asked, but asked specifically about the nature of being on the the wrong end of a of a historical game and uh Peyton was definitely done talking about the score. I know that you said it's embarrassing but this is kind of an historic game. I mean, I'm more. Third time the team has scored 70 points over 7. What's the question? I mean What's the question? How do you feel about it being I just finished telling you. Historically embarrassing. Next question. Ouch. That's about Chris Thomas of the Denver Gazette. Yep. I thought that's the voice that we heard. Well, man, that we, uh, I mean, we can always go back and say, well, there should have been a question in there right at the start, which would have compelled a response. Um, but he did that again a little bit later right. on, too. He definitely it, was. It wasn't done with just it. done with Chris Thomason's uh, question. And, you know, it, it, I, I know there. there there are people in our business who look at a game like that and say, uh, I have no words. Uh, I don't know what to say. And my response would be, actually, there's a lot to say, and you have to work a little harder to critique it and maybe go to places that you're not entirely comfortable going. But Sean Payton was far more arrogant and boastful than Deion Sanders ever was about what he could do in year one following not one and 11, I understand, but something that was akin to that and had more or less been going on. If we're not a playoff team, I'll be pissed is what he said. Six years. Playoff team. Well, Well, yes. Out of the last 99 teams that went 0 and 3, one's made the playoffs. Their playoff chances are dead. Even before he said that. There was a lot of stuff in there and in the Seth Wickersham piece. Hey, I'm here. I'm in charge. Uh, this team isn't as bad as it's looked. It's just been poorly coached. And he comes in and the issues are the same, except they're more extreme. I th- if I think, anything, they're more extreme I think the offense is than they have been. I do. But but he but he did get a little deeper into it. And earlier in the press conference, he spoke specifically about you know, what the story of the day, the defense or the lack thereof. Listen, it, you know, I, you know, we knew we were playing a real good offense, um, but but we got to look closely at what we were doing. And you know, when someone runs the ball up and down the field like those guys did, and throw it up and down the field, you know, 
it's not acceptable. You know, we, we, we can't, um, well, we just got to get to the tape. Next question. And uh, even that's uh, kind of one next question. And, and I, I'm sorry, but you, you've got to full on face the music. Uh, I'll tell you what, the most ridiculous thing he said, and I don't know if we've got it anywhere. Well, I've been on the other end of games like this. Yes. Exactly when, Coach? Well, there's only been one that scored more. A so game you, like that take place. Yeah. And With I'll, you in charge you, on the other end. You haven't had a team that scored 70, so no. Shut up. <laughs> I mean, that's not uh, true. Has the Sean Payton team ever beaten an opponent by 50? I, I don't think so. I doubt it. I mean, it's only happened a handful of times in NFL I history. So. I know they certainly haven't scored 70 because we know exactly. I, I know he hasn't. Yeah. He I mean, hasn't come close. And this is a guy. For all his wins in New Orleans, made or has made, I'm assuming this year, the Broncos won't be going to the AFC Championship. Safe bet. In his last 13 coaching years, that excludes the year he sat out for Bounty Gate, which, in my way of thinking, actually should count on his record and doesn't. I think it should. You could make the argument for I that. It, it doesn't, but you, you, I see your point. Um, last 13 coaching years, though, one trip to a conference championship game. I know coaches with a lot less acclaim than Sean Payton who have a better record over a 13-year stretch than that. It is challenging. Mike Shanahan made one conference championship game after he won two Super Bowls, right. and people want to run Post him out Elway, after 10 right? years. Yep. Not and- 13. It is challenging when you come in with a lot of bluster. And especially, I mean, this is a wily coyote running into the painted tunnel on a rock level of disaster. And when when you walk in and expect that to be, and you basically said, well, the new sheriff's in town, we're going to be good. Even though he didn't say, you know, we're super old extension. The, the, the new back. sheriff in town is wily coyote. It's been a bit of it. I, I did like, he did take some time, though, and, and obviously, again, this is immediately after the game, about how then you take a loss like this and what you do to go forward. And I thought that answer, Sandy, was rather thoughtful. Well, it starts, you always start inward, inwardly and look at, all right, where, where can I be better? And, and then you start with the staff, and then we go through the tape, and then you get on to the meetings with the players. So, um those next two days, we'll have a lot to look at and discuss. Um, again, it's disappointing. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm at a loss for words because I've never been in. A, I've been on the other side of some games like that, and then every once in a while in this league, you get your butt whipped. But this was more than that. Well, it, it, he couldn't resist. His ego couldn't resist putting out there that he had been on the other side of games like this. But everything else he said there was excellent. And insightful. Because I love the and, idea. Start with it, yourself. It was, it was the best answer, I think, frankly, because it was the best question. It was the shortest question that was directly posed to him. And he, somebody asked, okay, what do you do in sequence now? What, what do you do? And, and he did give a pretty good, you look inward, then you talk to the staff, then the players come in, and boy, he, he admitted today, I gave him credit for this too. He admitted today, you know what? It was worse on tape. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure when you look at it, it probably looked worse. It was worse on tape. It had to be. It was an abject disaster. I mean, I don't really know what else you can and say he said, about it. You know, I, 
I don't see a great purpose in showing the tape to the players, but got to do it. Yeah, you do. Got to do it. I think you do. Got to do it. I think you have to. I, I, I agree. I think you have to. And it, it is interesting if you compare it, and if, if we have time today, you know, we'll, we'll maybe have a chance to hear a little bit from Deion Sanders, who uh, it struck me again listening to him after the loss to Oregon, some of the things that you've said that the kind of openness that you want. I mean, Sanders started just saying, we got our bus kick. We got our bus kick on offense, on defense. So there was no part of the Hot game garbage. in which we were better. Uh, I mean, they were just, you know, they were better top to bottom. He said flat out they were better coached. Their coaches did a better job preparing the game. Right. Just everything. And he said, we have to look at it. And he talked about the same thing. He's like, that's not going to be fun going through the, the, the film, but we have to learn. But we have to do it. And yeah. so that's, that's the way it is. You're going to have to look at it and you're going to have to take what you can from it. And, and at one point he even said, uh, you know, you know, was asked, what do you say to, to the, these kids in that bad loss? And he said, well, there's, there's no, there's no time for tissues or napkins. He says, it's time to get up, get on the plane. We have work to do. That's all you can do. And they're an even bigger underdog on Saturday against USC as well they should at home. Be. As, as well they should they be. Should and be. they're not ranked as well mm-hmm. they as should they also should not, not be ranked. Be ranked. Correct. They should not be ranked yeah. after uh, that kind of loss, even to a, a top-10 team. Although uh, uh, the loudmouth up in Eugene, I think, is going to find out in the next month with multiple losses that, one, he isn't as good a coach, not nearly as good a coach as he thinks he is. And two, um, his team might go to the Cotton Bowl. It will not be in the college football play. Wait till they get to the uh, Wait till they play at Washington. (laughs) Well, well, no, I'm just saying this year. Oh, I know. They're not going to win at Washington. Uh, They're not going to win at Utah. And they're not going to beat USC in November. So they're going to lose three games. They're going to go nine and three. Which is fine. See, you won't go nine and three. And that's yeah. That's not sour grapes. They were light years better than the Bucks. Well, sure. On Friday, we but, said it specifically. Hear, if the Buffaloes were to cover to the three touchdown gap, guy, they'd be lucky. To hear this guy talk, you'd think he'd at least won a national championship by now. Don't want anything. No. He hasn't won anything. Well, and um, yeah, and there are much, much more celebrated coaches with better records than he's got at Oregon. And you don't have to go back very far to find them. I think one right off the bat wasn't all that great in the NFL, but Chip Kelly UCLA was much and has them ranked. So I can say what you will. Well, we have an opportunity every Monday is a mental Monday. And we get our checkup from the neck up with our friend, Dr. Rick Perea. He will join us next on Miley Sports. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.